If you join me this morning in your Bibles to two places, the book of John chapter 11 for just a moment, as an introduction to the context in which we'll be preaching out of Matthew chapter 21, John chapter 11 as a lead-in and the context of the message. It's so good to have you here today and thank God for the rain. Uh, Brother, Brother Butterfield's in-laws are here from Washington. They came to see the sun. And it's, uh, I hope they don't see it all the time they're here. I hope it rains. It makes them feel welcome all the time they're here. Well, I'll get my composure in a minute. I just, I just love that song. I just want to please the Lord. I never heard that song before. And um, I don't know if those two are writing those songs or not. They come up with some awful good songs. In your Bible, John chapter 11. Please allow me to begin reading in verse number 55. The Bible says, And the Jews' Passover was nigh at hand, and many went out of the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. They could not partake of the Passover feast with sin in their life. That then sought they for Jesus and spake among themselves as they stood in the temple. What thank ye that he will not come to the feast? Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a commandment that if any knew where he were, he should show it that they might take him. Verse 1, then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. You know, that must have caused a stir in the community. Now, verse 9, much people of the Jews, therefore, knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death, because that by reason of him many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. Now think about that now just a minute. As we begin reading Matthew chapter number 21. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, verse 1, Matthew 21. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to Bethpage under the Mount of Olives, then went Jesus, then sent Jesus to Disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, 
and straightway ye shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, you shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king sitteth upon an ass, a colt, the fold of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt, and put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was come into the Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. Let's pray, please. Our Father, today we thank you for this day. We thank you that what it commemorates throughout the Word of God and throughout time, just five days or four days now till Calvary becomes a reality. Our Passover lamb, the lamb of God without spot and without blemish, was sacrificed just in a few days. And Lord, I thank you that he was obedient in every nth degree because he set his face as a flint toward Calvary. And there he died in my place. Now, Father, help us today as we look in the Word of God and throughout time about the significance of the passage today. In Jesus' name, amen. What a parade to commemorate the Lord Jesus presenting himself to the Jew for the final time on earth as their king. After this, he turns and begins to teach his disciples the things that they needed to do because it wasn't long until he would be gone. And I'm glad that while he was here, he gave us perfect instructions. I'd like to talk to you today about God's perfect instructions. Have you ever bought anything? spend hours putting it together to find out you've got some extra pieces. And then your wife looks at you as if you fell out of a tree on your head and says, did you read the instructions? Have you read God's perfect instructions? 
The event is just right on the hills of the resurrection of Lazarus. Bethany is just a few miles from Jerusalem, Bethpage in between. It's kind of like Bethpage is just a, a, a rural area just connected with the city of Jerusalem, maybe a mile to the uh, outside the wall, and Bethany's just a, another mile or so from Jerusalem. Can you imagine what a stir it must have caused when the word got out that Jesus, the carpenter's son, the one from Nazareth, raised Lazarus from the dead? I don't know about you, but that shake me up. And all of the city and all of the country has been shook up. Now they arrive just a few days before Passover, a Jewish feast that commemorates the deliverance of Israel from Egypt's bondage. It's significant if you would check one day in the book of Exodus. You'll find in Exodus chapter number 12, the instructions were given by the Lord to Moses. And in Exodus chapter 12 and verse 3, take every man a lamb. In verse 5, your lamb shall be without blemish. And in verse 6, you shall kill the lamb in the evening. When did Jesus bow his head and give up the ghost? And verse 7, you take the blood from the lamb and strike it on the doorpost. And God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And then he says in verse number 14, and this day shall be unto you for a memorial and you shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. So generations from Moses to Jesus, and the Jew is still worshiping, praising God, and having a feast and a celebration about their deliverance from bondage. I think if you realize and remember when you were saved, probably you need to have a party on the birthday of when you got gloriously born again and delivered from the bondage of Satan and sin. And so it's a big day, a day of celebration. And isn't it amazing, while the Jew have been commemorating the blood and the lamb for all of these generations, when the true lamb of God came and John the Baptist saw him coming down the road, and he looked and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. They've met to commemorate the Lamb that delivered, and the true Lamb showed up, and they didn't even recognize him. You say, Man, those Jews must be awful dumb people. Well, how many times have you heard the gospel? And you have not responded to the wonderful truth of God's word. Someone has said when all fails, 
follow the instructions. When your life is at the bottom and it seems like everything is hopeless, read the instructions. When your financial world has fallen apart and you're so broke, you'd need a cosigner to pay cash, follow the instructions. When your wife won't speak to you and the dog won't wag his tail when you give him milk and the cat bites you when you give him a little bit of fish, follow the instructions. When sleep flees away at night and worry comes on every corner, you need to follow the instructions. You know, have you ever stopped and asked somebody for directions? And you're so lost, you don't have any idea where you are, where you're from, or where you're going. And you walk up to this clodhopper beside the road, don't look like you've got enough sense to get out of the street. And you say, say, sir, do you know how to get to such and such? And he looks at you as if you fell out of a tree and said, sure, it's easy. <laughs> and he tells you how to get there. And you find out after all it wasn't so easy because you didn't find it again. Have you ever just failed to follow the instructions? Sometimes, you know, you get, uh, you know, verbal instructions are all right, but sometimes, you know, I don't know if you know it or not, but just the signage in the buildings that we're building and the signage to tell you where to go and how to get there and where you've been and how to get back where you started from is a lot of money in this building. I don't know, $2,500, $3,000, just a sign to put on a wall say, hey, dummy, Turn right when you get down to the bottom. But you know, always verbal signage and verbal instructions are not the only ones that confuse you. I jotted down just a few I read recently. These are written instructions that kind of confuse you. On an automatic hand dryer, the sign read, do not operate with wet hands. Texas sign. A dry cleaner's in Bagcock. Drop your trousers here for the best results. <laughs> sign on a highway crossing the river. If you cannot see this sign, do not try to cross. Do you ever get confused? A contact lounge, a, contact, a cocktail lounge in Norway. Ladies are requested not to have children in the lounge. I think that's pretty, pretty important, don't you? Airline ticket office. In Copenhagen, we take your bags and send them in all directions. Well, that's the truth. We need one of those at DFW. Amen? I don't know how many suits I've had to buy when I was in evangelism because they lost my suitcase. 
I went to Ohio one time and shipped a dog up there because we were going to go hunting. <laughs> they lost my dog. They called me and said, dog gone. They said, we'll deliver tomorrow. I said, no, you'll deliver today, right now. American t-shirt maker in Miami printed shirts in Spanish which promoted the Pope's visit. Instead of I saw the Pope, El Papa, the shirts read La Papa, which means I saw the potato. The Lord, in the text, gave his disciples perfect and distinct and simple instructions. This book is written so a child can understand it. You said, well, I can't understand it all. Well, the part you don't understand is not what's hurting you. The part that you do understand and are not doing is what's bothering you. And so I believe today as we look in the text, and I want you to look with me, please, in Matthew chapter 21. And first of all, I want you to look at the Lord's directions, and they are always specific. The Lord's directions are always specific. Verse 1, the Bible says, and it's very clear, And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to Bethpage, which means the house of figs, unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples. Now listen, instructions, very clear, very distinct. Sent unto them, go into the village over against you, and straightway ye shall find an ass tied, and a colt with her, loose them, and bring them unto me. And if any man shall, uh, shall say aught unto you, you shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. You don't need to be an aeronautical engineer to understand the instruction that Jesus gave his disciples. Could I have an amen? You don't need a theological degree you don't need to go to Bible college to understand the directions and the instructions that Jesus gave the disciples. He told them where to go. He told them what to do and what to say and what to do after they had found what they were looking for. They were very, very, very simple and definite. Can anybody say amen? I just don't understand what God wants me to do. No, that's not the problem. The problem is you don't want to do what God tells you to do because he is very, very specific and very simple. But sometimes instructions get bogged down because there are just too many instructions. Don't tell me how many bolts there are in the dumb thing. I can count them. Just show me where they go. 
Sometimes the instructions in life just gets bogged down. It's kind of like I read recently the instructions for giving your cat a pill. Sometimes they get really involved. And these instructions on how to give your cat a pill is kind of multifaceted. It just bogs you down. Could I please explain? Number one, pick cat up. Cradle it in your arm. Position your right thumb and your right index finger on either side of the cat's mouth. Holding cat firm. You squeeze gently with your hand, with your finger and your thumb to encourage the cat to open mouth. Gently, carefully, holding the pill in your right hand, you put it in the cat's mouth, close the mouth, and hold it for 10 seconds. Giving the cat time to swallow the pill. Number two. Retrieve pill from the floor and cat from behind the sofa. <laughs> Cradle cat in your left arm and repeat the process. Number three. Retrieve cat from bedroom and throw soggy pill away. Really bogged down. Number four, take new pill from wrapper. Cradle cat in left arm holding rear paws tightly. Might have learned something that last trip. Force jaws open and push peel to the back of the mouth with index finger. Hold mouth shut and count ten. Say, preacher, is this what I learned to church today? How many got cats? Say, it's not wasted. <laughs> Number five, retrieve pill from goldfish bowl and cat from top of wardrobe. Call a friend. Not a one-man job. Kneel on the floor wedging cat between your legs. Hold front and rear paws. Ignore the low growls emitting from the cat. Get friend to hold the heel firmly with one hand while forcing a wooden ruler 
into the mouth. Drop pill on the ruler and watch it fall into the throat. Rub cat's throat vigorously. Number eight, retrieve cat from neighbor's woodshed. <laughs> Get another pill. Place cat in cupboard. Shut door on his head. Push firmly until cat's eyes begin to bug out. Take a salad spoon and force open the cat's mouth. Take a drinking straw and put pail in end of straw and blow it down the cat's mouth. Number eight, fetch screwdriver from garage to put door back on the cabinet. Apply cold compresses to your cheek. Check records for the date of your last techno shot. Throw t-shirt away and fetch new one from bedroom. Get friend to drive you to the emergency hospital. Sit quietly while doctor stitches your fingers, your forearm, and other parts of your anatomy. Call furniture store on the way home to buy another table. When you get home from hospital, call SPCA to contact to collect the cat. Call the pet store and see if they have any hamsters for sale. Sometimes instructions can just get too deep and too wordy. But Jesus said in John 16 and verse number 13, he said, How be it, how be it when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he shall show you things to come. I am so glad today that God's specific rules are in control of the Holy Spirit of God. And any child of God who wants to know the whole truth, the Holy Spirit of God, will guide them into all truth. God's instructions are found here and in the person of the Holy Spirit of God. But sometimes stubbornness keeps us from knowing all the truth. I, I, you know, I don't know why, but Baptists seem like they're a little bit more stubborn than anybody else. That's probably why you're Baptist, because you're stubborn. I have no idea. But sometimes stubbornness just needs to be turned over to God and, and to pray about it. And wait on God to open your heart to want the truth. And then you need to ask God to help you with the truth. Reminds me of the lady who was having so much trouble. She prayed. She said, Dear Lord, so far today, I've done all right. 
I haven't gossiped, haven't lost my temper, haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or even indulgent. I'm very thankful for that, but in a short time I'm going to have to get out of bed, and I'm afraid I'm going to need your help after that. Does anybody identify with that? I believe with all my heart we regularly and intentionally and deliberately disobey truth that we know to be truth. Maybe that's why God talked about willful sin. And if we sin willful after we know the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. Hebrews 10. I'm glad that God's truth is simple. Anybody can understand it. We got a bunch of fishermen in our church. They don't have enough sense to fish in the daytime. They fish at night. Two preachers were fishing one day down by the road and canal. And as they fished, they thought, well, we might as well be a witness. And so they made them a big sign that says, the end is near. Turn yourself around before it's too late. And they were fish. The car would come by and they'd hold up the sign. Fish, hold up the sign. One guy just thought they was too dogmatic and too religious. And he shouted as he drove by, You dumb folk, won't you just fish and shut up? He drove on and the fisherman heard splash. One preacher turned to and said, maybe we should have been more specific with that sign and said, the bridge is out. The bridge is out. God's word and instructions are specific. When God says the bridge is out, you better stop. When God says be sure your sins will find you out, it might be time to turn around. When God talks about hell forever, forever and ever and ever, maybe we need to repent and get saved. Oh, listen, the instructions of God, just go get the horse, get the mute, and turn around. Notice also the Lord's directions are always scriptural. Verse 4 of our text. Verse 4 of Matthew chapter 21. The Bible says, And all of this, all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, All of his instructions, are here. God will not lead you emotionally. You say, I just feel like, wait, don't, those things don't change. All the wife has got to do is burn your dinner and your feelings will change. Hmm? All she's got to do is not cook your dinner. Feelings will change. Go to work and they say, well, I'm afraid I'm going to have to lay you off. Your feelings have changed. Don't tell me you feel like what God wants you to do. 
God does not deal and lead emotionally. God leads scripturally. His instructions are specific and they are always scriptural. Jesus fulfills scripture to the very nth degree and he will never, never, never lead apart from his word. I must close, not because of the time, but because I'm hungry. God leads definitely, and the Bible is always specific. We should adhere to the Word of God specifically, kind of like one day a highway patrolman was sitting by the road. Have you ever got a ticket for going too slow? I actually got a ticket for going too slow. I was a kid in California talking to ever who was on the other side in the other car. And every time I went through town, this policeman wanted to pull me over. And he didn't give me a ticket for going too slow. This highway patrolman sitting by the side of the road. And you come four elderly ladies in an old car just creeping down the road going 22 miles an hour. The highway patrolman said, you know... I think one of them slow drivers are just as dangerous as a speeder. I'm going to pull him over and give them a warning. He turns on his siren and pulls that, that crowd of elderly ladies over. No telling how old the lady was that was driving. And he walked up to the door, and before he could say a word, What did I do wrong? I was not speeding, she said. He said, No, ma'am. You were not speeding. She said, I'll tell you exactly how fast I was going. And he said, well, how fast are you going? She said, 22 miles an hour. And I saw a sign back there a little while ago, 22 miles an hour. The policeman just looked at her kind of dumb like, looked in the back, and two old ladies in the back seat, their hair was standing straight out. They looked like they'd been in a hurricane. They were scared to And the policeman said, ma'am, that is not the speed limit. That sign you saw was the number of the highway, Highway 22. Oh, she said, okay. He started to walk off, and then he said to the lady, ma'am, could I ask you, are those ladies in the back seat all right? She said, oh, yeah, we just turned off Highway 135. They'll be all right after a while. The Lord's instructions are always specific. They're always scriptural. Let me close now. They're always sure. They're always sure. Over and over and over as it is written. Hmm? Over and over again, thus saith the Lord. I'm glad that God's instructions to me are simple and specific. They're always scriptural. If I want to have direction, I know where to go. 
I don't need to go to Dr. Foodunk. Doctor ain't never done it and doctor doubt it. I just turn to the Word of God. And the Bible said, put ye on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles and the tricks and the deception of the devil. Take unto you the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Thank God that they're always sure. The Bible. When I went back to Tennessee recently to see my other boy and daughters, and I was sitting there one day in Gene's house, and if you don't know Gene, you've missed half your living. And uh, he comes out of the comes out of the house, come out of the bedroom, and he had a pair of black shoes in his hand, and he said, "Dad, can you wear these?" I said, I don't know. They look kind of weird. He said, well, Dad, they're, uh, I'm trying to think what kind they are. Anyway, expensive shoes. When he told me how much they cost, I said, yeah, they'll fit. <laughs> Christian walked up to D.L. Moody one time and said, Dr. Moody, God told me to give you a pair of shoes, what size you wear? Dr. Mooney said, if God told you, they'll fit, because God knows what size I wear. Are you listening? God's instructions are always specific. They're always scriptural. They're always sure. They'll tell you where to stand in a world that has fallen for everything. They'll tell you where to stand. Stand therefore. With your loins girt about. With the word of God. Stand. He knows. Thank God. His instructions tells you where to stand. His instructions tell you when you have sinned. If we say we have no sin, the truth is not in us and we make him a liar. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And there's none righteous, no, not one. You say, preacher, I, I, I can justify, I can... One good thing about this thing, missionary gave a little native boy a Bible one time. He kept it about two days. He brought it back. Missionary said, why? What you bringing this Bible back for? He said, every time I read it, it kicks me. You read it. It'll show you how short you come to the standard of God. That's when he said, there's none righteous, no, not one. Thank God that his instructions are always sure. They'll tell you where to stand. They'll tell you when you sin, and they'll tell you when and how to be saved. Second Corinthians, now is the day of salvation. Behold, now, today is the time of salvation. A preacher, why should I get saved? Because God said today was your day. 
Your day. Your day to hear it. The Bible said, As many as receive him, to them gave he the power to become what? Sons of God. But whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. Well, preacher, what's saved? It's right the opposite of the lost. You say, explain to me. I'd rather be saved as lost. Thank God for the instructions of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're always specific, they're always scriptural, and they're always sure. Today, if you have not been saved, it would be the greatest day in your life just to come and get saved five days before Calvary, eight days before the resurrection. Can anybody say amen? Amen. It's been a good day, has it not? I wonder how many of you here today, not with your heads bowed, eyes closed, how many today, if everybody here that's not saved would get saved, how many here today would rejoice and be absolutely blessed? Would you raise your hand? In other words, you, what, you wouldn't embarrass them and go, yeah, 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 yeah. You, never, you wouldn't walk up to them and say, I've been, I know you need to be saved. You mean you wouldn't do it? You'd just rejoice and be happy in the Lord. Wouldn't that be something? 